Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. My name is Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic, this most epic journey. And today, this show, this very show has a sponsor, Cheshire Impact. Wow, that name sounds so familiar. Who are these guys? They're on a mission to help you maximize your use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Now, my guest today is really cool. I don't know who has more energy, her or me, and I don't know if it's the coffee or this is just how we both roll. She is awesome. She's a business coach, marketing strategist. She's also a marketing funnel strategist. What? What is that? She likes building marketing funnels and getting people into them. And she is just a high energy, get stuff done consultant. Michelle Evans, how are you? I am doing so well. Thank you for having me on, Casey. Absolutely. It's nice Wednesday afternoon here. People are like listening. No, it's Tuesday and I'm listening. But no, no, for us, it's Wednesday. And, and you know, I couldn't think of anything else that would sort of like, this is like hump day in that week and, and ha- you know, having a conversation with you. I mean, your energy, my energy, we might just break iTunes on this podcast. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the theme for this particular conversation and, and a lot of what we're going to be talking about ties into that maturity model. So we, we're working with a lot of clients and we're, we're seeing them just invest in a great technology and then not even use it. We're like, what's going on? They didn't have a roadmap. So we made one. So each month has been a different theme along that process. And so now I can talk to you about personalizing the journey between A to B, between when you first find them, that funnel, and then all the way out the end. So I'm excited to have you here. And, and I just want to start out by saying, here is Thor's hammer. Smash some myths. What kind of bogus strategy? Munir, is that what it's called? I forget what it's called. It has a name? Yeah, it has a name. Oh my gosh. You're going to lose me for the next 10 minutes as I Google this. But okay, so the hammer has a name. So I have passed you this hammer and and I apologize to the hammer. I will find out your name. But you have this unnamed hammer in your hands now. Smash for me bogus strategy around funnels around personalization what are you seeing out there that just drives you crazy because it's so wrong yeah you know one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy because it's so wrong about marketing funnels is that people start at the tech they start at like how complicated can we possibly yeah. make this whole thing that is the wrong place to start and in fact i always always push regardless of if I'm working with a really big client or a a solopreneur, start as simple as you can. Because if Mm. you make something so complicated, when a part of it doesn't work, it's really hard to know what part. That's true. Yeah. But if you start simple, and one thing I love about funnels is that they're a lot like Legos. Like you can just keep building on top, right? right? So you can start with something simple. And get that to work really well. And then you can add on the next layer and add on the next layer. Pretty soon you can end up with something a little more complicated, not super complicated, but a little more. But you know that each part as you've added it works. And Boom. I think that that is what, you know, when people start at the technology and start at how, yeah. how fancy and crazy can I make this? I'm like, you've lost touch. Right. Because. Let's talk about another myth that I would like to. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Oh yeah, go ahead. I love it. We're gonna. We're gonna, by the way, we're gonna smash all day today. Yeah. Like eight hours podcast here. We're gonna <laughs> smash away until everything's been destroyed. But you, what you brought up was really interesting. Starting at the tech is the mistake, 
And, you know, we got to say, there's some tech vendors out there that try to encourage you to do that, right? Oh, look at this cool feature. Look at this. Look at that. And, oh, go build this. Go build that. And it can be distracting. And we can get distracted, but not to do that. And, and I love the idea of not getting too complicated too quickly. It's hard to know what works. I was thinking about that Christmas vacation, like the Lampoon's Christmas vacation yes. With, yes. The, with the lights, you yep. know, like he's putting all like a million. And if, if you haven't seen this movie, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast because, you know, I don't know. No, okay. Go check it's it out. It's like national, yeah. yes, required viewing before your next listening to this podcast, like national Lampoon's uh christmas vacation no yeah christmas holiday or i don't know something like that and he's stringing together like a million lights and all sorts of stuff and it doesn't work it he's like mad he's he kicked a reindeer and it was just a kitchen switch light that hadn't been turned on was the the result but yeah to your point if you make all these different connections and all these different lights right away with the tech you're starting with the tech side starting complicated not simple you may not know if there's a broken light bulb in there and it may not the whole thing may not work that's right and look casey i love technology i mean i worked at microsoft for a long time doing marketing Damn. i love technology the thing is though is that we can't fall so in love with the tech that we lose sight of the humans that we're trying to get through that tech yeah right? the humans good, good yes. call yep yeah no, you know, the ones with the actual credit cards that they're going to buy or yeah. the ability to actually purchase your thing. Right. The actual customer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because technology really just enables this, this system to happen. Um, but it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be that complicated. And like you said, like with the, with the light switch that wasn't turned on, same thing with a funnel. If mm. you start so yep. complicated, you're not going to know which light switch you need to try to test. Totally. Yeah. And so it's much better to just go bit by bit and figure it out and get things converting, get things going, and then just keep adding on. Totally. Totally. And, and I get the sense that you want to focus on the person too. I love, yeah, because, um, let's just be honest. Let it out here. Yeah. Have a seat in the hardcore marketing couch. Let smash those. We're gonna nets. kick up our feet. Yeah, here's a box of tissues. Just like, yeah, just share. <laughs> um, if you don't understand the the conversation going on in your buyer's head, if you don't understand what's really happening there, it doesn't matter what tech you use. It doesn't mm. matter how sexy your headline is. It doesn't right. matter how fabulous your webinar is or your event or however you're marketing your stuff. If you don't know what's going on in their head, you're not going to be able to engage at the right place because you right. don't want to be out there convincing them they need your thing. Right. You want to step into the conversation they're already having of a pain that's happening mm. in their workplace or in their personal life, depending on what you sell, right? And so there's another myth that I hear all the time is that B2B is so different from B2C. Not true. Add, I mean, there are different ways that you're going to go about okay. yeah, yeah. different things that you're going to put in front of them. But the bottom line is for both business to business and for business to consumer, you need to know what's happening up here. What is that trigger that's going to make them even start thinking about what you have to offer? Right. And are you meeting them at that trigger or are you trying to meet them further along the path when maybe they've already started making decisions. 
Right. You want to go back to what that trigger is. And it's so, I can't even tell you how many, and you know what, when I was at Microsoft, we did the same thing. We fell so in love with our thing and what our thing could do that we're leading with this. Right. Instead of meeting people at where, at whatever it is that they're wanting to do. Yeah. So, you know, if they're wanting, if the conversation is around, like, you know, we need more, we need more eyeballs coming into our business. Okay. How does your thing meet them there? And how can you lay out a path to take them from, we have this identified pain to, wow, this is a solution that we didn't even know we needed. Right. right. Yeah. So interesting. Cause I would, I would tend to argue, cause when I hear, by the way, I say interesting too much, just calling it out. Um, so Slap, slap the monitor if I do it. Uh, but <laughs> things are just so I, like I love talking and learning things. So uh, normally I kind of reject the notion because B to C versus B to B. I'm like selling ASIC shoes versus you know forty eight thousand dollars software product. The sales path might be different, but mm-hmm. what I'm what I get and this makes a lot of sense. The common denominator is not the B, right? It's not you. It's the fact that there's that H. There's that human over there. Um, so no matter what's going on, if you get lost in the trappings of the fact that you're B2B or B2C, you miss the point that you got to learn about your buyer either way. You do. And again, it goes back to this idea of don't fall in love with your delivery mechanism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't fall in love with how you're connecting with people. First, fall in love with what's the problem that you're solving for them. Sure. And then where are they hanging out trying to find solutions to that? And then what's the best way forward? Right. Uh, Cause I've seen, I mean, look, I worked on, I worked on uh, marketing initiatives that had huge, like eye poppingly huge budgets. Nice. At Microsoft. And you know, we would fall so in love with what we were already doing or, mm-hmm. you know, that we would lose sight. But when we stepped back, when I stepped back and said, okay, what is actually the conversation that we want to have with people? What's the conversation they're already having? How do we meet them at that conversation before they even start down this path and then engage them along the way and really personalize this to the journey that they're going on? Help them discover like this is what we need. And if you're talking, uh, and I worked in banking as well. So like I sold free checking accounts and I sold massive business um, like for development for developers to do huge uh, housing developments really different audiences right yeah totally but you need to know what's the conversation happening here so you can step into it and then you know how you go about it will be different of course because where they're hanging out and looking for stuff is different and who they trust is different but if you don't start at what's already happening there so that you can set the stage as i always talk about Set the stage for, for, the, for the conversation that you want to have. Get them primed. Get them ready so that they're asking the questions that lead them down your path. If you don't start with that, it's really hard to make those sales. Yeah, makes sense. You know, falling in love with the process. I think it was even like Tony Robbins says, sell the result, not the process. You know, we get Absolutely. in love with, oh, we're going to come in and we're going to do this and this and geeky terminology, three-letter abbreviation, and it'll be grand. And it's like, 
okay. It's like, oh, actually, we're going to help your company grow because you're going to have more leads and you know what to do with. Oh, that sounds good. I like that. Sign me up for that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. either even like features and software or services, to your point, anything you're selling, it's, it's, it's not about those little intricacies that you're all geeking out on. It's, it's the end result for that person on the other end of the line. So my question is, where do you start? Because you've obviously, you've been in, you know, the big Microsofts, you all sorts of different marketing projects. How do you start? A couple times you said, you know, know the convo in their head. So what, what ways do you go about extracting that? I don't know if you have like a cool computer thing that like plugs into their brain or something. That'd be sweet. Wouldn't that be awesome? Try that out. Maybe Vulcan mind melds, you know, yeah. Just like a, oh, I see in their brains, their buying process. Like how do you, well, how do you extract that? You know, that is a great question. And again, it's going to depend on kind of where your audience is and and the assets that you currently have. Okay. So let's say that you have a website that has a good amount of traffic coming to it. Sure. Put heat map tracking software on there and see what people are looking at. Okay. Where are they going? You know, what, what are some of the things that they're doing there? That's not going to tell you exactly what's going to happen there, but you, there's also some software that you can pop up a little, um, like one question survey, right? Oh, if you sweet. have one thing that you want to know, um, it's really easy to put that on there. I even have a messenger bot online that says, so it's really wow. easy sign up for like mini chat and you can do the free option and just test it out and see how it works. And you can just ask people one question or try to engage them in a conversation. So that's one way. Do you, Another, do you see like a one question across the board? Or if there was one question I could ask, and I don't know what to ask other than like, hey, what's your favorite ice cream? What would you ask, do you think, on that, on that site? Does it change company to company? or It'll change company to company okay. and the kind of um, offer that you ultimately want to have. Because you need to right. know where you're taking your people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm all about marketing funnels. And so I just say, you know, do you have a question about marketing funnels? Mm, if they okay. say yes, I take them directly to my quiz. It says, hey, here's a quiz that you can take. And in less than three minutes, I'll tell you exactly which marketing funnel is right for you. Cool. And if they say, well, I have a question about this, then I can go further. But if, if, if people are coming to my site and they want to know what marketing funnel is right for them, that's the easiest path to get there. But Casey, here's the thing for me. Yeah. I get to know who's showing up on my site. Right. Because on the back end, I get to see which, which funnels are um, most important to my audience. Like who's coming here? And so like, not necessarily like Casey's coming here, but as an aggregate, I know about 83% of my audience, they want to have more sales calls. Right. So the funnel for them is a discovery call funnel. So I know then what conversation they're having. Right. And I can ask questions about that. You know, I can track on the back end once they opt in, kind of what they're clicking on, what kind of things they're asking me. There's just a lot of good stuff. So that's one way with your owned traffic. Okay. But let's let's talk about a business that maybe is getting going or has a new offer and they don't have traffic, right? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to say, okay, what are those conversations that people are having? Right. Well, a couple of things that you can do. You can find a competitor in your space that has a good amount of traffic going to their site. Okay. And you can go to um, 
you can go to some, now I'm suddenly spacing out, but that's how this works. <laughs> I, I, know, I love it. Um, there's, there's some places that you can go and I'm going to have to think about it because suddenly I just went totally blank. Totally. Well, what we can do is you, we can send it to us after we can put them in the show notes so people can yeah. just go to the show notes and click. Yeah. Um, I think it's SEM rush, but you can go to these sites and you can basically spy on your competitors in terms of how many visitors they're getting, where their visitors are coming from, and um, kind of who their visitors look like. Right. Now, another one that you can go to is BuzzSumo. Okay, yeah, yeah. Take a look at what are some of the trending things in this space. And if you really take a look at where is it trending, so you know where your audience is. Yep. And if they're blog posts or videos, you can take a look at what are some of the questions people are asking within that. Those are yeah. great ways to That's find cool. out what's happening. Yeah, blog um, posts, cool. Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, uh, you know, all these kinds of places, they have such a wealth of information about what people are raising their hands for. And even like Uber Suggest, you can go to that and um, just type in like your, your keywords that you want to see and it'll pop up all of these things that you can go check out that are trending right. online. So there's okay. a lot of great resources where you can step into that. Got it. Now your best insights are going to be from survey feedbacks from your sure. own people. Yep. But if you need to go find new people, those are great ways to go find new people. Got it. I like that. The idea of that community-based research of the communities that are out there or the competitors or the blog posts, like the things that are out there that maybe you didn't even author or not even related to you, but it's maybe a competitor like you mentioned, or just that a community on Facebook or LinkedIn, wherever it's at. That's, that's really cool. I mean, there's that, there's talking to them, there's talk, there's surveys, just lots of different ways. But I like the fact that we're we're, you know, we're going and gathering information. We're listening more than we're talking. You know, sometimes we, yeah. I mean, we can talk cause we're supposed to, you know, podcast, <laughs> but yeah, as marketers, we got to listen first, you know, figure out what, to your point, I love that. What you said, you know, what are the conversations they're having? And just the idea mm -hmm. of like conversational marketing has just been one of those things that I just, I'm kind of like gravitating toward and really getting, getting behind. I know drift talks a lot about it cause they've got a chat, but, but even beyond that, whether they're talking to sales or talking to you on your chat bot or find your email or having conversations with their buyers. And those are the important ones. You know, it's, it's just interesting. I like the whole they're concept of it. Critically important. Yeah. They're critically important to just see like, where are people confused? What are they asking about? What are they starting with? And um, as you were talking, I was thinking of one of my IT clients, they sell IT support services and they have private Facebook groups that they've created and they're very B2B. They're like selling to, you know, uh, chief sure. technology officers. And sure. Stuff, right? And for a long time, they resisted having a Facebook group because they were like, these guys don't hang out on Facebook. But they create, they asked at an event, they created a Facebook group and those groups are insane with people asking questions, saying, hey, is anybody doing this? And the insights that you can get from just community engagement yeah. is incredible. So yeah, it's just knowing, knowing what to look for, but also just saying, I need to get in the heads of, the, of my buyers of the conversations they're already having. If you start there, it's amazing what kind of new opportunities will come your way that your buyers, your audience is going to serve up to you when you know what to look for. Right. Huh. Now, 
I've got a question for you. Diana mm-hmm. asked this. You are the funnel wizard dress. Is it wizard? <laughs> uh, what's the? I, don't I think know. it's probably witch. Oh, okay. Well, hey, you're the, <laughs> do you want to be the funnel witch or? right yeah i mean i sound like a muggle here you know i don't even know what the proper term is but you know the high priestess of funnel so um you know maybe define that because i certainly i've worked with some i think but you know just you you're doing it all the time you clearly have a passion for it you can't stop talking about it and i'm sure you're just chomping at the bitches but like define like what what is this funnel yeah That's a great question. And it's probably the number one question that I always get asked is what the heck is a marketing funnel? Because a lot of times people think it's just the technology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the first thing we started with is it's not just about that. Smash that thing. Yeah, smash it down. Basically what a funnel is, is it's a way for you to engage your audience in the conversation you want to have with them and help them along the path, building trust, showing that, you know, why you or your company, why this offer is right for what theirs, what their pain is and why now is the time to do it. If you can set that stage before your sales team or you, if you're selling it yourself, gets on a phone or does a webinar or has an event, your chances of closing the sale go up tremendously because you've already you've already built that buy-in, right? Right. And I've seen this across B2B and B2C. I've seen it across everything. They've got funnels in B2C land? Um, yeah, there are funnels. I mean, <clears throat> okay, so let's talk about that. So do you remember like um, Columbia House Records and BMG yeah. and stuff? Isn't so- like 30 cents and you get like 90 CDs or something? <laughs> yeah, like a buck and you get like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like 10 <laughs> or something. And I didn't like, think you were that old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yes. How do you know about those? That's crazy. <laughs> Next thing you're so going to start naming Nickelodeon shows and then <laughs> it'll be all over downhill from there. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so those are like some older kinds of funnels, right? Totally. Where you would yep. kind of buy in and then yep. you'd be along that journey. Um, but there's a lot of funnels that are B2C. I mean, I think about um, <laughs> vitamins. I think about yeah. um, the hair stuff that I use. Like these are all funnels where they get you in with a specific product and then they just take you on this journey and you just keep going oh, along yeah. and building, um, building the insights. But even like one of my favorite stores locally is Nordstrom and um, hmm. they probably wouldn't call it a funnel, but one of the things that they do for certain customers of theirs is they'll have like special VIP events where you can come and preview the fall line or the fall makeup colors. I mean, clearly I'm giving away, like I spend money on this stuff, but, you know, <laughs> but those, that's a funnel. Sure. That's okay. A way of bringing people in, setting the stage for why the offer that you have is going to be something they want to pay attention to. Sure. It's a, like that next step. And I even think, you know, I guess I've been sort of B2B focused and, you know, maybe I haven't necessarily seen the funnels around me every day. I, I signed up for, I tried out that uh, dollar shave club, you know, they, oh, yeah. they send you That's like a fun. razor pack every month or something. I don't know. It's just better than going Oh, hey, I need to go to the store, but like 
it, you don't have any that day. So it's like, it's kind of a cool program, but yeah, they're always like, Hey, buy this gel or Hey, buy this other thing or Hey, buy this other thing. And uh, they're just sort of working that next step with you. Well, and even they set the stage for why the Dollar Shave Club is a great offer that you really? can't ignore, right? Interesting. You don't have to. I mean, you just said it. How, how do they do that? Okay. Uh, probably, I don't know how you first heard about them. Like, I hear about them on podcasts. They, they sponsor podcasts. I see ads on Facebook and all sorts of stuff for that. So I'm not sure how they got you in. Right. But clearly the messaging sank in to a point where you emotionally owned it. It's True. easy. I don't have to leave the house. It just True. shows up. Like those are their value props. And you have internalized those as like, this is a great thing. That's a, that's a funnel. Interesting. You know, I just was Googling it and Gillette bought them. I didn't even realize this. Gillette bought them for a because billion it's so valuable. Pounds. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, can you imagine? Because like Gillette their normal approach is we're going to spray and pray, right? Yeah, we're going right? to go out and do, you know, radio, TV, online, you know, all sorts of stuff. And we're going to hope to God that when people go to the grocery store or to Target or whatever, right. and they've got kids yelling at them, they're trying to rush through, right. that they're going to choose ours. Right. How much better is it to just show up mm -hmm. and uh, already have clients ready to go every month? brilliant i know <laughs> so good like dang why didn't i think of that <laughs> yeah. man yeah so that's a funnel interesting you know one of the th things you were talking about earlier too is there's different stages of funnels and yeah. i remember when i first bumped into i think it was actually a, a book from Arketo on um on analytics funnel analytics and and for the first time i was seeing different stages presented and i and i brought it to the company i was at and for the first time our process had waypoints. It had names across different different parts in the journey, so we could actually track. Hey, how many people did we add? How's the flow between the stages? How how's the end result? And it was like it it formed a whole relationship, especially with sales who were able to use the same language and all that. So, what kind of steps do you use? And I and you added one recently, right? You you're like constantly tweaking this and yeah. Well, I kind of there was one that was sort of really fat. And I glossed over things, so I broke it into two. So Got it. Talk about two. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like it. Put it on a diet. So, so <laughs> phase one is really the warm-up phase. Okay. And this is the phase that's at the very, some people call it top of the funnel. It's where, you know, like you're going out to people who may or may not know anything about you. Yeah. And you're warming them up. So this is where you're meeting them at that pain. Yeah. If you think about, um, you know, the five stages of, of buyers, yep. so stage five is like people who will never care about what you do. They have zero need, zero desire for what you do, right? So we ignore those folks. But stage four is people who say, like, I have this pain. We don't have enough clients. Or I hate having a dual razor, but it's a pain in the butt to go to Target every month. Like, you know, that's a pain. People are just like, oh, I wish I could have this you know, easy. Yeah. Now hold on a second. So this is not the funnel stages. These are different types of clients. Nope. This is a funnel. This so a funnel? if you think about your funnel in this term where you yeah. warm people up before you invite them in, yep. it sets the stage in such a better way. Got it. Basically you're going to be a giver first before you become a taker. For sure. 
and it builds a lot of trust and credibility. So, you know, if you're selling B2B, for example, let's say you're a speaker at an event, speaking would be a way to warm them up, right? right. You're delivering yeah. some ideas, maybe some examples. You're warming them up before you ask them to do anything with you. So it's freely giving. Got it. And on the B2C side, it's, you know, doing the same thing. Again, doing blog posts or videos or podcasts right. about the pain that they have. And if you do the warm up right, you're, fra- you're putting a frame around the conversation you want to have with people. Got it. And you're intriguing them to say, I, I need to find out more. Now, one of my favorite books on this, Casey, is called Pitch Anything by mm. Oren Claff. <clears throat> it is so good. He's a, he pitches like huge deals, um, like the Burbank Airport deals. Like cool. he does huge financing deals. But he talks about how you really have to pre-frame people. And this is what this is all about, is really owning how you have the conversation. And when you warm up people right, you're not just giving stuff away just to like keep giving and giving and giving. You're giving this stuff away strategically to get people to, who have a problem to say, ooh, that is intriguing. I want to know more. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen content around, I mean, RFPs are just never a good idea, but I've seen content around, you know, if you had to create an RFP, here are the things that we recommend you for sure must have in there. And they're different things that that particular company actually really excels at, or hopefully they're things you should have in your RFP. But it, to your point, that can help frame the conversation where we're not talking about this other thing. We're talking about what's really important, what we've geared our solution around, and not just sort of throwing content out there willy-nilly, but making it helpful, but like thoughtfully helpful. Yes. And again, it's why you have to know your buyer so well right. and, and how your offer is going to uniquely serve the buyer, right? Um, and so after you've warmed them up, the very next thing you want to do is invite them to come further in, right? Okay. So let's say it's a blog post or it's a podcast or it's a video or, or a speech. Sure. So you're giving, you're giving, but you're dropping these little hints about there's a lot more right? Like we're just, we're just scratching the surface. There's more to be had here. And so you say, Hey, if you'd like to go deeper. Uh, so one of my clients who sells again to, uh, tech folks, I seem to have a lot of, a lot of those because of my background, but she was a, um, speaker, uh, who was called on all the time, uh, and still is called on all the time to go to these big events that are, for chief technology officers, chief information officers, chief financial officers, and super techie people. And so she would be called on to be a keynote or to be on all sorts of panels, but she wasn't getting business from it. Okay. We put a really simple funnel in place for her where we took a look at what her talk was on and we just inserted these little curiosity pieces to say like, Mm. there's more here. And then at the end she said, Hey, I've got a a PDF that's going to go through all of these points in a lot more detail and, and, um, break it down for you. If you'd like it, you know, you could either text or you can give me your, your card and I'll send it to you. Yeah. The first time she did that, and this was like two and a half years ago, she closed more business in the eight weeks after that talk than she had in the previous 12 months. And she sells 
big things, like things that take a lot of approvals. Yeah. And, um, and then in the time that followed that, she was just like, I cannot believe how well this works because what she's doing is she's warming them up properly. Right. And then she's intriguing them to go further and she's framed the conversation. She's framed. So it's not about prize. It's not about all that stuff. I mean, those come into consideration, but it's more about here's the pain and here's why it's critical that this gets solved because it's going to be a business stoppage or something. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you call This is the second stage, right? The second. I call, I just say invite in. It's the invite them in stage. Yeah. Dinner party time. Yeah. Now there, there are like technical phrases for this, but I like to use these more humanized words. Yep. Um, because I think that it helps keep us in that frame of we're talking to humans. Yeah, it's a good point. You can get crazy if you start calling things MQLs too much, you forget that there are a bunch of people in there. Yeah. And trust me, I can get super nerdy and go deep into the, the techie stuff. But when I'm talking with clients, I always say, remember, this is the invite them in stage, right? Invite them in. This is where we're inviting them in. We're inviting them to come further. And it just gets a different frame of mind. Absolutely. Um, And then after that, once you invite them in, so at this point, they're on your email list. Mm. Maybe they're coming to a webinar or a special event that you have that's for people who are sort of in this buying stage, right? This would be like the consideration stage. But you're owning this. And so I call this this next phase the set the stage. You need to frame the conversation repeatedly. So you need to know um, why you, why this offer, and why now. And you need to get that clearly in their heads so that, again, they emotionally own it. Like, they they want Casey's who are spurting out, you know, that's what we want is we want people to emotionally take in our value prop to a place where they almost forget that that was marketing. Because they've internalized that this is the right next step. And that's what a really good funnel does is it sets that stage so that the sales conversation is a really natural just continuation of where you're going. Because that's the fourth fourth thing is offer a clear next step. And this is when, like if you have a bigger team, this is when the handoff to sales ideally would happen. They're super warmed up. They're ready to take that next step. They understand their pain. They understand why you, why now, right. you know, why this offer. And now it's more a matter of um, just knocking down a lot of those more, I mean, depending on what you sell, right. if it's super techie, you need to knock down some of those technical things and, and you know, talk about how it specifically will integrate. But if it's on the B2C side, This is when they just need to know, like, can I do this? Is this really Mm going to, you know, solve my issue? And um, and so just when you have that clear next step, you just handle those last things and make the sales offer. Right. And um, Propeller CRM, um, I think it was like found that like 92%, I think that's that's right. It might be 91% of... um, of buyers are much, it's much easier to, to make the sale when, um, when they've gone through this. 
Yeah. At, at a much higher level. In fact, I forget what the stat is. I have it um, written down, but it's like a 400% or more wow. close rate um, goes up when you set the stage properly. And it's why I'm so passionate about that. Right. Because if you're selling something that's $500, your funnel's going to be short. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to do as much. If you're selling something that's, you know, a million dollars or, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, your funnel's going to be a bit longer but it's still the same approach. You right. just have to understand kind of what are those things that you need to knock down and the beliefs that you need to build up right. so that people go, I need that. Yeah. Because even in the B2B world, you need people sitting in that decision-making room advocating for you and your Right. Side. That like internal champion. Yeah. Yep. And, and you need them to own why you, why now, why this offer to a place where they can frame it internally in a way yeah. that people say yes. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. This is cool. So we're going to warm them up. We're going to invite them in. Put their feet up. Set the stage. Set the stage. Mm -hmm. And then off it's of the dinner theater, next right? Step. Yeah. 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 Murder mystery dinner theater. Exactly. Yeah. A clear next step of like buy your ticket for the next one, right? Right, right. And, but if you again, yes, there are really technical words for these. But if you think about it in these humanized ways, right, it's it you back into I. My marketing is talking to a human. Yeah, there's a real thing for that. I, I, you know, you think about all the M MQL, SQL. Those are probably the worst offenders, but it, I'm sure it gets worse. You know, CPC, CPA, all of our acronyms, we can forget. Or even just like awareness. Yeah. Consideration. Like they're very non-emotional. They're very business-centric. Yeah. Dry. So Hospital-like. Yeah. So you can get stuck in your features and like why, you know, your pricing is better or whatever. Right. That is not necessarily what people really care about. Right. People care about, are you going to solve my problem? Is this a good investment? Am I going to look like a hero or a zero for buying this? And it does not yeah. matter if you're talking to a boardroom or you're talking to a mom who needs better hair. Like, sure. <laughs> people want to know, am I, am I making a good choice? Yeah. And am I going to make a mistake? Yep. Doing this. That's the worst, the worst thing. Like I love, actually I don't like shopping because I hate buyer's remorse. So I'm almost afraid to just shop because what if it doesn't work? Like what if, what if I'm a doofus and I bought the wrong thing? Like, ah, this is the worst. So, but I tell you what, when I have a really good purchase and whether it's, you know, big software that I love using or some Zolo hiking boots. Like either way, I'm just like, uh, it's to your point, it's that emotional level for me that these are the, my favorite hiking boots ever, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you, you take it on. So next time yeah. you need hiking boots, that's probably what you're going to go buy. Right. I literally bought the exact same one. I, I just bought them. Uh, and I had them for like something like eight years. Um, or maybe six, I don't know. Time flies, but I bought the exact same ones. It was like, no, no, no. I love these boots and a little pricey, but you know what? They've lasted bajillion years. So worth it. And they just make my feet happy, like little happy campers. So it was like, duh, gotta get this thing. Yeah. I mean, let's just be really clear. No 
amount of marketing funnel work or um, marketing trickery is going to sell a crappy product. So you got to have an offer <laughs> and a yeah. product that's yeah, delivered, yeah. right? <laughs> totally. Like those boots. But, you know, but when you can tap into people's emotions, and I'm not saying like crying or anything like that, but when you can get them to emotionally take on yeah. um, that something is the right thing, sales is so much easier. It's so much easier because you're not having to convince. You're simply having to um, basically extend a hand and say, hey, here's the next step. Right, right. You're, you're there to help. You're not, it's not, it's not like me versus you or, you know, us at ends, odds and ends. It's like you got your hand around them. You're like, let's go this way. Or, you know, this is the way, you know, you're like, you're like a mountain guide. A lot yeah. of people talk about Sherpas, but Sherpas carry your stuff for you. That's cool. But the guides are the ones that are like, go this way. It's so true. And um, I know I've talked a lot about it, but I just, I want, I want people just like you did with the Dollar Shave Club. I want you to think about some products that you're pretty committed to or yeah. passionate about or that you tell other people about and really think why, like, what is it that they tapped in to in you? that really got you because we can, we can um, intellectualize it. Like we yeah. can say like, these are all the features and these are the yeah. cool things. There's something deeper that you yeah. really got. Oh, totally. Like that super deep can, can barely even express it or whatever you try to intellectualize. It may not even be correct. It's just what you're sort of justifying. That's what is right. that? That irrationally predictable or whatnot book, you know, just the idea that <laughs> we make, we, we, we can predictably make the most irrational choices and then try to justify them afterward. Well, the pricing was good. Actually, I just really liked the sales guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, or it he was simple. He made me feel good. Yeah, yeah. it made me I feel like, like I could actually get this done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like the ease of use. I mean, you could say all oh, this product is ease of use, but if you explain it in a way that it seems like it's going to be easy, that's going to pay off in, in spades. But I like that challenge. I, I think that's a great challenge for everyone, myself and everyone listening. You know, what are the, what are the products and services that you love and on that kind of goofy crazy level and i think there there was another stat that said i think nine you know they surveyed people and 94 percent of the brands that people buy could go away tomorrow and they wouldn't care there's that small percent of brands that people actually you know like my iphone or my garmin watch or my my azolo boots you know those few things that man those guys need to you know sponsor the show shouting out to the millions of people here but either way like those particular experiences pardot for me was it was the thing that's why even we started a whole company around pardot was just i used it and i loved it i wouldn't shut up about it it's telling the missus telling the friends you know trying to have beer with your friends you're like guys pardot and they're like we're not even in marketing case i don't know what you're talking about they're like no and i love this thing i'm uh, not your audience yeah 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 well, I, just, I would i would yeah. challenge you because Obviously, the product delivered. Yeah. But I would challenge you to really go back before you fell in love and to be like, what was the problem that I was really struggling with? And what was the hook that really got me? How did they warm me up? And how did they invite me to go further? Yeah. Because um, now you're so in love and you're so close to it that sometimes it's hard to remember. But if you really think back to that, there was something that really connected with what you were going through right then or yeah. what you needed to be a hero or whatever. Right. 
Yeah, I had left an agency and I was running marketing for a small company and they really messed up and sales didn't like us, you know, and I was mm-hmm. like running marketing. I thought, oh yeah, I get to report. So you're to the sales. bad guy because you're uh, giving. I'm revenue. the bad guy and yep. sales is cool, but they don't like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to run this company and report to the CEO and, and I've never used marketing automation before. I'm like a digital marketer, but I, you know, SEO, PPC, but not you know, this other weird tool. And the sales guy on the phone, who is cool, by the way, shout out to Adam. Uh, I guess I could say is cool. Uh, he's a cool guy. Um, he was like, look, man, it's capture, nurture, automate. That's what we're going for here. And I was like, oh. Everyone else was like, look at our crazy features. Look at all, like we were talking about earlier. Look at our, look how cool we are with our process and our tech. And he was just like, no, man, look, you set this thing up. You're going to capture more people. You're going to nurture them all the way to being sales ready. And you're going to automate some stuff so that you don't have to do so much busy work. I was like, ah, makes sense. So let's break this down. Yeah, break it down. I, lo- I love that, you- by the way. Break it down. Yeah, you are overwhelmed because mm-hmm. you're in this new role. Yep. Kind of feeling like you're failing. Sure. Sales, the cool guys, you can't have lunch with them because they hate you because yeah. you're giving them bad leads that aren't shitty leads. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I like I worked at a startup and I had the same thing. Yeah. Uh, where where if you don't deliver good leads, you are out. Like Sure. <laughs> just like don't even talk to me, right? Yeah. Um and then you know, you're thinking like, I report to the CEO. I'm looking like an idiot now. Like, sure. These are probably some of the thoughts that like, were going on. What did on. I inherit? You know, like what, what? And then I was sending emails on NetSuite, you know, shout out to NetSuite. I hate your email system. <laughs> but uh, of course it was eight years ago. So hopefully it's changed since then. But yeah, it was just, everything was just bleh. wrong. And, it, yeah. it was a mess and it was overwhelming. Like right. that's, that's the pain that you were in holy crap, this is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Right. This guy gets on the phone and he realizes this is not a dude that wants to hear all about all of our cool features. Right. This is not a guy that, you know, I need to go deep. This is a guy who's swimming over his head and he wants to know what's the simple lifeline I take. Yeah. Are there a lot of things that, that the system could do? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of features. There's a lot of benefits. But he met you where you were and yep. he threw a lifeline and he said, come forward. It's just three simple things that it's going to do. And you're like, that's what I need to be a hero. Yeah. Right? Yep. I need to capture more people. I need to nurture them and I need to, them to close. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting when you break it down like that. It's, it's fun. And that, these are the kind of things we should do with our buyers, which I think is, it's great that we're, we're talking about it now is just that you, you know, these humans that are shopping for your thing are having these same thoughts. Not necessarily exactly the same, but they have thoughts. They're, they're out there and it's good to know. You need to know, get inside their brain to know what those are um, yeah. and then make decisions from that. Yeah. It's, I can't even tell you how important it is. If, if you do nothing else, if you just understand what, what the challenge is, what the problem is that's getting people to raise their hand mm-hmm. and then clearly meet them there and take them forward. Everything will be better. Even if your marketing is ugly, even if your yeah. website's ugly, if you meet them and talk to them like that, I mean, that didn't even require a website. That required a phone call. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it can be simple as long right. as you know how to meet your buyers. Yeah. Meet them where they're at kind of thing. Now mm-hmm. I have a question. Speaking of meeting your buyers and, conversational marketing. You mentioned earlier, you had that little pop-up saying, you know, Hey, um, what's up? 
do you have funnels, that kind of thing. But then you offered them the ability to figure out what funnel, I think it was what funnel's right for you. Yeah. Are there's a right for you? There's more than just the, like, how do you, what would it, tell me more about that. There are like, yes. Um, I mean, I don't want to overwhelm people. I can nerd out on this stuff. Oh yeah. Nerd out. It's okay. (laughs) If you're strong, if you're listening to this and struggling, that's fine. Hang in there, but you can kind of blow me away with the stuff. Yeah, because I don't want to like add to overwhelm. But the, this is hardcore marketing, by the way. So that's right. This is not yeah, light, so light hardcore. core. Yeah. If you have to start at what what is your um, goal? Are okay. you trying to get people on the phone? Are you trying to get them uh, to an like online that. event like a webinar? Are you trying to get them to an in person event, or are you trying to just send them to a sales page? Like, let's just start with those four, right? Right there are different funnels that will work better for each of those. Interesting. Now, the third thing is that some of, some people in my audience are just getting started and they don't really have an audience. So right. if you have no audience, you know, like one of the first things you need to do is figure out where the audience is so you can start attracting them. And so I right. have a funnel for that as well. But, um, but you have to start at the end goal. What is it that you're gonna invite them to go do? Yeah. <laughs> to go buy, okay. to go you know, take action on? And so then you work backwards from there. What are the things that I need to put in place so that I'm setting that stage, I'm bringing them forward, I'm opening some pain points. And this makes sense. So you're customizing some of the different elements that are in that process. So maybe you could pick one like, um, I don't know, hopping on a sales call or something. What, What kind of different things do you put in that than you would put into maybe something else? Or maybe you have an example like that where you, some specific things you put into it. Yeah. Well, okay. So back to the, the example that I gave you earlier about my client who is a really highly respected keynote speaker, right? Yeah. And she's really good at some super techie things. Right. And so her goal was to get people on the phone. So she goes to these events so that she can meet people. She can follow up and do sales calls. Um, But the problem is, is doing sales calls just for the fact of like dialing people's numbers and staying in touch is not very lucrative and nobody can do sales. (laughs) Right? You need people who are ready to engage in a sales conversation. Right. And so for her, what we needed to do was say, okay, we know that you have these warm-up opportunities of being a keynote speaker. And she loves to speak. Like that is one of her favorite things to do. Totally. And we know that we want people to get on sales calls ready to move forward in the sales process, right. not just to stay in touch and maybe, you know, buy in two, three years. Right. That happens, but we want people who are ready. And so what we did is we backed it up and said, okay, what are, what are some of the pains that people would be dealing with? What are, um, like, what are some that we can close quickly so we can open the pain, kind of give a tip or two, close it, but then open the next pain. So it's, mm. it's a copywriting technique called PaySOP. Wait, wait, what's it called? PaySOP, P-A-S-O-P. And so if you think about setting up your marketing funnel in this way, it's going to vary depending on what you're selling. If you're selling something that's a million dollars, you're going to have to have a lot more of this, right? Right. Um, But basically what it does is this. Identify a pain. Pain, okay. 
agitate that pain, agitate it with a story with Ooh, I like that. what's at risk. If you don't solve it of something that's in current events, she's in tech. So she could like point to hacking stuff. Yeah. Like there's stuff Ooh. that she could point to that everyone's aware of, but you need to have them like have their antenna up of, Oh my God, this is actually something that I care about. Cool. Right? Yep. So pain agitate. You want to, um, talk about what's possible to solve it. So the S is mm. solution, but you're not like laying out an 18 point step-by-step -step solution. Right. You're just saying like, imagine if you didn't have to worry about that. Imagine if ah. this wasn't like, you know, you're just like tapping into that ooh, curiosity factor. Curiosity is one of the most powerful emotions that you can tap into. And if you do it right, it's tapping into it in a way that um, that people don't even realize fully what's happening, but they yeah. are really engaged. There's huh. a lot of um, neuroscience that has been done on this. A lot of um, neuroscience uh, examples and studies that they've done that show that when you are curious, when you are truly curious about something, the area of your brain that has good feelings, that creates memories, hmm. is literally turned on. They've shown this with, you know, little newer transmitters. Interesting. And so using curiosity through this will engage them. It'll make their heart beat faster and make them be like, ooh, I need, I need to find out about this. And so the, all we did was just have some of these, like, imagine if you didn't have to worry about that, or I have a client who no longer has to worry about that just kind of dropping these little things, right? So that's in the, the S. And then the opportunity is um, the next step that you want them to take. So for her, it was, and you know what? I've broken it all down in this uh, PDF that I'm happy to give you. Or I have a webinar coming up that I'm happy to let you attend for free where I'm going to really go into this. So it's whatever that next step is. For her, she has a huge thing she's selling. So her steps are a little slower. Um, but at each step, she's getting those small yeses that are building up to the big yes of writing the check, right? Yeah. Um, for other people, it might be straight from doing that to, hey, hop on, a, hop on a phone call with me and I'll show you how to do this for yourself. Right. And then the next P at the end, so you could end at the O if you need to, or the next P is opening up the next pane that then transitions into the next piece of your marketing funnel. Oh, okay. So where does the next step, what letter is that? Is that the O? Uh, the O, yeah. So that's the opportunity. So whatever oh. the right next opportunity is for them, you want to offer that. So for some people, like for me, I could just say, hey, you want to jump on the phone and talk about how a marketing funnel works specifically for your business. My sale Ooh. is not a million dollars, so it's right. a lot faster. But for people who are selling bigger things, you want to know, like, what's that next opportunity? What's that next step? That's, I think of that O as what's the next yes that you want them to say? Got it. Opportunity. And then to your point, it's pace up. Is it pace up? Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Pace up ends with P, which is back to pain. Back to a new pain. So you open a pane at the beginning, you agitate it, and then you kind of close it up. So you close that loop. And then if you want to keep them engaged, you open the next one and say, hey, I'm going to be dealing with this pain or with this next step 
in whatever it is, your next email, your next webinar, your download, you know, whatever it is. But you uh. like, always want to be triggering that curiosity so that they're staying engaged. And would you call this like layering pace ops on top of each other or? Yep. Interesting. Yep. You know, as you were saying that, talking about the neuroscience of curiosity and how your brain is all like in memory, I was like, mm -hmm. it's kind of meta, but it was like happening as I was learning about that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I can relate to that. It's happening right now. This is really cool. So pace up, pain, agitate, solve, opportunity, pain, a new pain again. A new pain, roll yeah. It, roll it down the path. That's really, really cool. And I bet if you think back to that conversation you've had with the Pardo sales guy, mm -hmm. he probably did exactly that. Probably. Because it's just, just Vulcan mind small, tricks on me. Yeah. It's Damn. just small yeses so yeah. that you, you're not selling them. You're just continuing to solve these pains. Right. Do you have a problem with this? Here's a story. Here's a, a, yeah, a story Somebody to agitate you. Here's yeah. a little, solve, little solving action. Somebody already has part on. They've solved this thing already, buddy. Hey, do you have this other pain too? Oh, yeah, I have that too. Yep, yes, yes. Is there, what's the end to that loop? Do you, they just they take an opportunity and they hop out if, they, if they're able to do that or? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on who your buyer is. And, yeah. and again, it's really more about um, what the buying process is. Is it going to be a committee buying process? Is it an individual? Is it huge? Or is it something that people could do pretty easily? Right. And so that's, that's kind of where some of that expertise about who your audience is and how they buy comes in. Right. But, um, you know, sometimes you might just have a little PS, like if you want to talk about this right now, jump on. Sure. You might insert an email between emails about, you know, jumping onto a sales call or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's ways that you can invite. Cool. You know, is this just like, is this like super well known in the content circles or this pace off idea? Oh, pace up. Yeah. For cop, for, for so copywriters who are conversion copywriters, conversion. not just like fabulous copy copywriters, but people who are focused on conversion optimization. They wow. know about PaySop. Dang, this is cool. This is really yeah. cool. I don't know. You have all these, you are the high priestess. We're changing your title. <laughs> high priestess <laughs> in the funnel, right? And, and curiosity and all things conversion copywriting. This is so fascinating. Who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> like, how did you become this? like this tome of knowledge on, on this topic here? I have loved marketing since I was a kid. Really? I, like, I'm just not even going to lie about it. I yeah. love marketing forever. In fact, before I even knew what marketing was, I loved it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like back when I was a young kid. Now, again, I'm older. So, you know, when I was 10, I had a paper Please. route Old. with over, yeah. Well, at 43, you know. Oh, no. Now you're, yeah, I'm, don't, don't lie on the hardcore marketing show. <laughs> Being ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, I have this paper out with over 200 papers. How did you do that? You just, did you outsource it to your parents? Or like, well, what's the deal? I, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, first of all, I was able to grow that so that I could make yeah. more money. Dang. Right? Because I really loved making money. Like, I really loved Hills, it. Hills, yeah. When you, like, soundtrack for, like, money-making music right exactly. here. Exactly. Money, yeah. money, money. 
Yeah, yeah totally. Um, but I would like, there were kids in my neighborhood. We were living in Seattle. There were kids in my neighborhood who I could pay to help me with this by stopping by the local drugstore and getting them an ice cream or a Snickers bar or whatever after the work. So oh. we would go out on our little bikes. Now again, like this a little is Tom Sawyer over here. <laughs> And I'd be like, hey, guys, you know, I'd had like four to six people, including my younger sister. I'd be like, hey, guys, let's, you know, let's go deliver papers. And, you know, they just like grab a bunch and go. And I'd had them trained and it wouldn't take that long. And they knew what addresses to go to and everything. And yeah, it was easy because we lived in Seattle. So it was really dense. Okay. Yeah. You know, we just like you get that half of the street, you get that half of the street, you get the other side, that half and that half and off they go. So basically like I'm, you know, riding my bike with the wagon behind. It's so, so funny. Like Tom Sawyer is probably a good thing. Yeah. And I just be like telling everybody what to do. Um, and so then I cool. buy him a candy bar and it cost me probably like, I don't know, a dollar or two. Whatever candy bars were back then. Yeah. yeah. And everybody was happy. And then, you know, I would go and I would collect my money and I would make a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Now, now was that a weekly paper thing or that was like yeah. a daily paper thing? No, it was a weekly. Weekly, so it was okay. every Wednesday. Um, but, you know, I got to keep a good chunk of what I I was going to say, yeah, the candy bar yeah. is pretty cheap back in the day. So, yeah, you know, two bucks, two, three, four, five bucks you know, for the, the, the labor costs, cost yep. of goods. And, uh, yeah. And then you collect that, you know, a couple hundred bucks on your, on that paycheck. That's pretty sweet. Did your parents <laughs> so, know you were doing that. Did they like, they're like, Michelle, what are you doing? Like, or they didn't even know you're just they, an entrepreneur. Well, yeah. It was a different <laughs> time. So parents weren't quite as like helicoptery, right? Right. They're like, yeah, I'll see you at dinner time. Peace. Yeah. So we were on more of a don't ask, don't tell policy. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I, I don't, they probably wouldn't have really cared. They probably would have just shaken their heads and been like, of course you did. Right. Um, but, you know, I would do that stuff where like when I was in campfire, I would take my sister with me who was younger. Is and that a camp? Younger. No, it's that? like Girl Scouts, but uh, thing. It's and like a West Coast Girl Scouts? Candy. Yeah. 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 We'd have to sell candy and I'd take my sister because people would not say no to her. Right. Because she was young and cute and I would just be like, you know, I need to earn my badge or whatever. Right. Make it to camp. I sold candy as a Boy Scout and you'd always wear the uniform. So they're like, mm-hmm. oh, look at you. You cute little uniformed toddler boy, like like selling your dollar candy bars, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, popcorn was kind of a little harder to sell, but yeah, those – candy bar sales okay so you brought your sister so you're kind of i dress her up in my old uniform oh jeez, that's awesome i was i like i was always about how can i win how can i get the top sales how can i get stuff done um and you know it was fun because it really helped me fund like going to camp or i love do sports and stuff but my mom and dad were always like you gotta pony up some effort here so that's how i would do it um, and then, you know, when I got older, like in high school, I was in um, junior achievement. Do you know that? Yeah, I heard of that. Yep. Yeah. So, and so I did like the, the store at school and we did like a fashion show and all this stuff. And so I really got to learn a lot about marketing before I was even out of high school. Um, oh. and I, 
I worked at the mall at a clothing store. So I was all about like, how, how do you get into people's heads and get them engaged and get them to um, buy into whatever you're doing? I mean, right. even like I was class president. So even like vote for me, right? Jeez, I didn't even know I was talking to class president. <laughs> I know. It's so... So cool way back then. Um, but getting should, I, should I have mentioned that in my introduction? Should we go back and edit that and say? Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> we'll add a couple decades to it. The um, 2013 high school class president. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or like the 1993. <laughs> okay. Not too bad. We're, we're pretty close. We're pretty close in graduations. <laughs> so yeah, it was a long time ago, but um, but you know, just getting people to buy into your message. What is it that yeah. people care about? How do I align what I'm doing with what people care about? How do I step into that conversation? It's been a natural thing of mine ever since then. And then totally. you know, I went to college and I got a degree in marketing. I did tons of marketing internship stuff there. Yeah, I just couldn't get enough of it. That's the way to do it. The internships, you know, for the for the the kids out there going to school, it's like cool. It doesn't really matter what you didn't learn because you probably didn't learn anything. Uh, what matters is those internships, and yeah. that looks so good on LinkedIn. Like, hey, I, mean, I did a PR internship. I did this tech writing, like all these. So my resume it was crazy. Someone told me it looked like a circus clown resume because it was just all these different experiences I was trying out. But I was collecting little pie wedges, my little trivial pursuit you know, a little Casey career guy. Um, it was awesome. But yeah, to your point, like that's, that's where you get some real learning at. Well, and it's where, you know, again, to people in college trying to study stuff, it's where when you go to job interviews, you stand out because yeah. you can talk about specific examples instead right. of just, oh yeah, in theory, or we study this in school because that's not yeah. exciting. People want to know, are, can you apply what you've learned and how have you applied it and what results do you get? Yeah. I mean, I keep telling people to drop out of college and just go learn Salesforce or just start doing it, but I probably wouldn't get, you know, too many speaking opportunities at a college campus if that was like my, my byline, you know, like drop out. <laughs> go so. do something more interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although if you want to be a doctor or like, you know. True. True that. Something that requires some level of expertise you might want to stay in. Yeah, yeah. Stick that one out. <laughs> but for marketing, I agree. that There's nothing – I mean, let's just be honest. Pretty much everything that I learned about marketing, and I graduated from college in 96, that is not how you do marketing anymore. Yeah. It was almost outdated by the time I graduated. I think it was – yeah. I mean, you come into it outdated. I mean, I learned about how to write press releases with like – triple hash marks on the bottom right that's the hashtags i learned about <laughs> yeah. yeah well and yeah i know exactly what you're talking about and like Press release? Write memos like who yeah. writes a memo right teach me how to write a blog post people come on yeah come on. or how to succinctly talk about your ideas in a way that engages the audience you're trying to engage internally yeah. externally whatever i wonder if you can even teach that though you know like you're the good I, at writing I think or not it has to be uh, real life examples. I don't think you can do theory stuff. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Dan, but you learned marketing theory. Mm -hmm. So later on, we'll swap notes. You can tell me everything I missed because I went computer science. So it was like not oh. even close, you know. Um, I went but, marketing theory and psychology. So oh, cool. That was probably the real fun part that you had to justify doing the marketing part. That's, that's cool. Did you learn a bunch of psych? Is that where the curiosity came from or you just, you've always sort of had a thing for psych? 
I've always had a thing for understanding what motivates people's behavior, yeah, totally. which is why I went to psychology for all my science credits. But then yep. I was just hooked. I never wanted to be a psychologist, but I, I wanted to get into just the understanding of what makes people tick, what yeah. gets them to take action, what gets them to just roll their eyes and be like, whatever. Because yeah. um, even back then it was like, okay, how do you even know if it's good marketing? Like, right. who cares if it's a really flashy TV ad if nothing happens on the bottom line? Like, right. it's hard to build a great um, career and a great story about yourself if everything is just flashy, but there's nothing results-wise holding it up. People want results. Totally. Yeah, results matter. That's, that's what really matters in the whole thing. Um, and so you're up in the Northwest mm -hmm. and... You are just crushing it. And I think we chatted about wine. You're like right down the street from some wineries. Is that? I am. I live in a place. It, is that a problem? Because it might be a problem for me. If I was like, wow. And it was like Chateau Saint-Michel down the street. I think. Yep. Go, Do they have free like free Wi-Fi? Because I would be there. Like, you know. <laughs> Why you're not there now? Like, hey guys, dialing in from the Chateau, you know. <laughs> just me and, you know, the VIP yeah. wine tasting The grapes. Backdrop is the grapes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, do, I live in a suburb of Seattle called Woodenville, and there are okay. over 100 winery tasting rooms within, Jeez. I don't know, maybe like a two-mile radius. <laughs> it's wow. crazy. And it's busy. And Chateau Saint-Michel is one of them. It's okay. not even a mile from my house. Um, you could run there. I mean, that would be like my exercise, right? Like, I'm going to go run there. Yeah. Wine, run home. <laughs> Probably just home. undid everything I just yeah. Like it would not, yeah. not be good. <laughs> uh it's it's a fun place to live. There's also a lot of like uh, microbreweries and micro dis micro distilleries. Right. Um but we have I'm just not even gonna lie, we have three kids and all the kids are into a gajillion activities. And so I don't even really have that much time anymore to right. go to all the wineries. Yeah, no, you don't at all. Like, yeah, I was just talking um, about babysitter rates. And apparently when you have three, it costs more than if you have two. I didn't even know that. Um, but What are yeah. the rates around you? I would be interested to know. Well, you know, everyone is trying to be like all friendly and generous and going right to $10. I'm like, man, that is like fast food. Why are you doing that? This is oh, New England, right? Cheap. So, um, so, but yeah, you have $5 and we're looking at someone who was like $8. That's, that sounds like a good deal. You know, but then like, oh, but the mom then bumped it up and gave her 12 an hour instead. I was like, don't do that. Teach them scarcity. But what, <laughs> what are the rates over there for you? I Like I, right now, I'm so jealous. I'm really? shooting eye darts at you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we are lucky if we can get somebody at 18. It's usually about 25 an hour. For and that is just thing? going right around here. We, had a, we have a nanny during the summer and it's usually 25 an hour plus we supply the car, the gas, and all the money to go do stuff. A nanny sounds cheaper than hiring a babysitter. Damn. Mm -hmm. So 25 an hour? Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> this is like some like some like 16-year-old kid just being like, yeah, 20 bucks an uh, hour. The 16-year-olds are probably 18 an hour. Dang. I, that that's if you're if you're a babysitter and you're listening to this, you know, it sounds like you need to move and go out there. Don't do that, but 
you could. Yeah. You very well could. Wow. So I can see why here I am complaining about that extra two dollars to get me to ten. And uh, you're like, I don't you're like you're like ten different from me. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the eye darts, right? Yes, the eye darts. <laughs> so uh, another thing I wanted to bring up too before we, we go, I know we've been chatting for a while, but you've got your own podcast, which makes sense because obviously you've been an awesome guest here. But like tell me about the podcast. You know, shout out the name and you know, maybe some of the latest guests you've had. Yeah, well, my podcast is called The Marketing Funnel Show. And it's funny, a lot of my guests are actually clients uh, or students. Okay, uh, that's cool. Uh, where we talk about the journey of creating a funnel because I'm trying to demystify and break yeah. down, like, how do you get into your buyer's heads? How do you do yeah. this and not get so tangled up that you can't move forward? And so, um, so those are my guests. And I've had, I have some amazing clients and students who come on and talk about like, they've, I have one who is a um, fashion consultant. So she nice. their, their wardrobes, especially professional women. And she talked about how marketing has never really come together for her. And she learned how to do a funnel. And now she's like sold out. Super so, busy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, now, some of my bigger clients, they don't come on because we have serious NDAs about what we're yeah. doing. I love to feature just, you know, people who are really good at what they do and how they can uh, create a funnel. But then I right. also go deeper into how to get into your buyer's minds, how to um, how to structure, you know, that whole pace op series, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. Because if we break it down to little nuggets, it's a whole lot easier than when you try to just like take it all in and be like, Oh my gosh, I need to learn a whole lot of stuff. Right. Huh? That's cool. I, I had a, I wrote down a couple episodes. Um, looks like 42, why you need a funnel for your business. Kind of like mm -hmm. we we're talking about here. Uh, another one, how to hook your audience with irresistible content. Yep. Like seven. That looks like that's all one. about curiosity. curiosity. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that one out then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I talk I about, I think in that one, I think I talked about um, a, neuroscient, a neuroscientist who did this study. His name's Dr. Raganoff okay. at, I think, the University of Southern California. I might be wrong on the university. But in any case, about some of the research that him and his team have done of, of how curiosity is irresistible for your wow. audience. What's his name? You said there's a professor? Dr. Raganoff. I, I can send you this. Raganoff. That's cool. Have you, um, I don't know if you bumped into Nancy Harhut in, mm. in your travels. I, I'll introduce you. She's really cool. She does a lot of, uh, lot of chats and conversations and stage keynotes all about um, behavioral science, but like oh, real my. behavioral science and marketing. And I chatted with her. We went deep on like, um, some of like the marketing theories, but then how they uh, not no mark um, personality theories like oh is um, uh, personality behavioral theory PBT mm -hmm. I don't know, something like that and and how that applies to marketing and how you use that and and not so I wrote this blog post on it on LinkedIn but it took me forever because it was like so I mean five Dead. minutes of chatting chatting with her is like wow there's so much here to unpack but yeah I'll have to connect you to. Yeah, I would love it. Yeah, because all these things, the more you understand either your company or yourself, if you're a solopreneur, and how you engage people and, and what curiosity triggers to pull for them, yeah. the better off your marketing will be. Okay. I mean, clearly, right? Like, like <laughs> mic drop. Now, do the mic drop thing. So that's like... 
Yeah. Boom, done. So where can people contact you? What, what are good places to seek you out? Yeah. Smoke signals, LinkedIn, <laughs> what's good? <laughs> well, my digital home is michellelevans.com. michellelevans.com. Okay. Com and they don't even do anything with it. They just want eight grand for it. Oh, so no, they really? Stuck. Yeah, so they're a squatter. Eight grand? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do it? No. That's why I have <laughs> my $8,000 L, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why I have the L. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to reward a squatter. Yeah, I hate that, man. I'm just scooping that thing up. What if people scooped up a bunch of popular names? That would be probably yes. a smart thing to do. Yeah. Well, and mine's so generic. There's so many. So that's the best place to find okay. me. Okay. Go to the website. Got it. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Facebook, LinkedIn, good. Uh, Twitter yep. as well? Yep. All of it. All the All things. Michelle L. Evans. Okay. Boom. You got the L everywhere. That's cool. Yep. I got it everywhere. <laughs> Wouldn't that stink if you got it everywhere except for like Twitter or like LinkedIn? You're like, ah, everywhere there's an L except for here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on Facebook, it's Michelle L. Evans official because somebody else already had the other one. Oh, I see that. But that looks cool. Yeah. Official. So I'm official. You're representing yes. yourself. <laughs> well, this has been cool. I don't know if you looked at the clock, but like time is like morphed Long by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've like, well, that's why we like block off a bunch on the calendar because just in case. <laughs> but yeah, this has been no. awesome. Thank you for having me on. It's a great conversation. Yeah, totally. No, I, no, thank you for being on because I've been learning a bunch and um, that's the best podcast for me is like when I'm learning, I've got like two pages here of, yes. uh, of notes here and my, my curiosity part of my brain has been like, I'm actually going to remember all of this now. So this has been really cool. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And everyone else out there, if you learned something and if you didn't like punk punk, like wake up, you missed you go hit rewind, start at the beginning. If you learn something, even something quick or, or simple about funnels, obviously you got to check out our podcast, but share this with someone else so they can hear this and get that message and ideally get connected with Michelle. Uh, this is awesome. So all you out there share this with a friend and this has been the hardcore marketing show. We will catch you next time.